Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Most of us outside of Quebec don't have much time or use for the bloc, because their interest is in Canada. Couldn't care less about Canada. Their interest is only Quebec. And I can assure you that that's the case, because I lived in that province for nine years, not so long ago. In fact, it was interesting. I had a Bloc Québécois um, candidate for federal election stop by my house <laughs> looking for votes. And I said, uh, Monsieur, je veux parler l'anglais avec vous. Hein? Je ne veux pas parler, parler français, je veux parler l'anglais. Boom, he was gone. Turned his back. <laughs> he was gone. We never, uh, we never had a dialogue. So... I just wanted to ask him some questions in English because whether the Bloc likes it or not or whether the Parti Québécois likes it or not, we are still one country. They lost two referenda on separation and there are two official languages, but man, this dude was gone. Probably didn't help that the little nine-pound terrier was getting ready to get at him. Little Sonny was... Yeah, I don't like this guy. And this little dog was going, I'm going for him. I'm going for him, Dad. I'm going for him. I see his ankle. I, I can get him. Open the door a little further. I'll get him. It was, it was quite the scene. Me at 6'2 and about 225. And um, and there's this little dog that fits into my pocket, about seven pounds. And he's going, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Just, just let me go. I'll chase him. And Rocky, the Bichon, Rocky's just standing there. You know, the world just went by, and Rocky kind of watched, didn't pay much attention. He was just a wonderful guy. All right, so uh, so we had by-elections in this. Enough musing, Roy boy. Uh, we had by-elections on Monday, two in Manitoba, one in Quebec, and one in Ontario. And the question is always, how significant are by-elections? How much do they matter? Okay, so we're going to ask our, our, our guest about that. And how are Canadians lining up now as far as support for federal political parties are concerned? And I think it's interesting to ask the question after the by-elections. And uh, as I said to Ujjal Dessange earlier in the hour, the former premier of British Columbia, former federal health minister, they, will, just they being the MPs from the various political parties, they will just hate on each other consistently until they have a common interest like let's take our summer vacation early vote yep we're all in favor let's raise our salaries yep all in favor let's raise our pension plan yep all in favor let's work together for the betterment of Canadians nope gonna work for the party that's the cynics point of view Daryl Bricker is the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs and it's, it's great to talk to you, Daryl. <laughs> I've done too much talking. How are you? I'm doing great, Roy. I'm glad to hear you back on the air. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So let me just ask you out of the gate for the significance of the by-elections. And this one's a little bit, it has some writers, right? It's got uh, Bernier in Manitoba. It has the former president of the Liberal Party of Canada running in the West Island of Montreal. She wins, but with a reduced majority from 2021, she's going to be in the cabinet, no doubt. What, how significant were these by-elections? Not very. I mean, the uh, the only uh, things that are that were unexpected or maybe things that people were watching that weren't unexpected were 
how uh, Bernier was going to do in uh, in the riding that he was running in, and obviously didn't do very well. Uh, the only other one was uh, whether the Liberals would hold on to the Winnipeg riding. Uh, that was Jim Carr's, and they, they did that handily. Uh, Anna, Anna Ganey getting into uh, um, office as uh, the member from uh, you know Mark Garneau's former riding. I mean, you could have run your your Bichon Frise and, and won that riding uh, for the Liberal <laughs> but, but Party. Not, but, not, but, not, but not the Terrier. Not, the Terrier would have been a little more difficult. <laughs> yeah, little I can guarantee difficult. you that. And then Oxford was a bit of a, a wild card because the uh, previous uh, conservative um, uh, member of parliament, uh, since his daughter didn't get nominated as the person to run in the riding, I decided to side with the Liberal, and there was you know some potential for some difficulty there. But again, the Conservatives won it handily, so there really wasn't much that uh, that that happened uh, as a as a result of that. And and by the way, Roy, that's pretty emblematic of what's been going on in federal politics since 2019. Nothing has very much happened. Yeah. All the parties are basically where they were back in 2019. Is this it for Bernier? Is he done? Uh, well. You know, who can say? I, I don't think Maxime Bernier was really the force that was driving the People's uh, Party. Uh, what was driving the People's Party was really more of a grassroots thing that uh, that uh, Maxime Bernier maybe helped organize to a certain extent. But it was basically people who couldn't find their way through to voting uh, for the Conservative Party anymore and really not being upset or being very upset with the Liberals finding a way to uh, to, to register the protest. But um, uh, no, I don't think Maxime Bernier uh, has a future in, uh, in, in national politics. Uh, and, and I think that this, uh, this by-election demonstrated that even in a place where his party won the most votes for his party in the last federal election, he was not, as the leader, able to carry that uh, that riding. Yeah. Uh, but that that attitude, uh, that, that that view that I can't vote conservative, I won't, won't vote liberal, I certainly won't won't vote NDP, that still exists within that within that cadre of the Canadian population, and and we're looking at Western Canadian parties to support Western Canada, as opposed to the rest of the, you know, the entire country. So, and I'm not I'm, I'm just pointing at Western Canada because that's what Bernie ran. Yeah, well, you know, the, the interesting thing about the national unity debate in Canada is it's really changed uh, from where it was back in the 1980s and you know through the 1990s, um, where it really was about Quebec's place in, in, in the country. Uh, now, um, most of the pressure that you're seeing on the national unity question is actually coming from Western Canada. And the reason for that is if you look at the major population growth that's taken place in the country, it's disproportionately to the West. 2011 was the last year in Canadian history in which more people lived east of the Ontario border than lived west of the Ontario border. Really? Yes. 2011? 2011, which happened to also be the year that uh, Stephen Harper won his majority government. I remember. Um, that's, that's amazing. So I did, I did not know that. The gap continues to grow. The gap continues to grow. Uh, because... Uh, Immigrants, and you know that over the space of the last uh, year, we've brought in nearly a million people to the country, disproportionately going to Ontario and to Western Canada. Yeah. Now, let me ask you about that situation. And uh, it's Oxford, Oxford visit riding in Ontario, right? Right. So we had the former Conservative uh, MP siding with supporting the Liberal candidate, but they were upset at uh, what was really clearly, in my view, a dumb move by the Conservative Party of Canada, by pushing out a very popular local um, candidate or candidate to be candidate 
and, and opting to go with the guy who had uh, a significant presence in uh, Pierre Polyev's leadership campaign. Just a stupid move. Well, you know, th- this is how politics used to work in the country. <laughs> you know, where, where people, I mean, Mackenzie King went, you know, ran all over the country um, in, in terms of the writings that he ran or one in, um, but you know, it used to be the way things were done. They were, they were like, uh, you know, writings were like, uh, rewards that you gave to your, your loyal, your loyal followers. And you can basically do whatever you wanted within uh, the context of those writings. But these days, uh, people uh, really are feeling their local, um, uh, their, their local power. And the idea that you can parachute somebody into a writing successfully is no longer as easy as it once was. You know, now they happen, they happen to win. Uh, yes, but you know what did they do to their own brand in the writing? That's, yeah. that, that's the question. It, it, I, I, I'm more or less, more than less, politely blackmailed Brian Mulroney into a one-on-one exclusive interview, and shortly before he stepped away and turned things over to Kim Campbell, and we know how that turned out. So it was right after the uh, conservative convention in Toronto. And I was invited to to go there and hear the prime minister speak to his troops, and then interview him. So I went. And uh, when I got when I got to the hotel, it was all sorts of you know police and dogs and people talking into their sleeves and collars. And and then I went to see Mulroney, you know, talk to the troops, Daryl, and he got all pumped. And and after that, I had to wait a while. And they said finally, they said you can go see the prime minister. He's on the 18th floor. All the people talking into their sleeves and collars were gone. I got to the elevator. Uh, I thought there'd be security there. Nothing. I just got on the elevator with a couple of young people. I thought maybe their security. No, they got off on a, another floor. Got off the elevator. They told me what room to go to. I was walking down the hall, and somebody popped his head out. Some guy popped his head out of a room and said, are you Roy Green? Do you ever see the prime minister? Yep. Okay, off you go. And they didn't check me for anything, no ID or anything. I guess I'd been observed. Anyway, I got in and I sat with the prime minister, who was clearly energized by the reception he'd received from his faithful. And I said to him, tossed him a couple of softballs, and then I said, um, Prime Minister, what I hear from our listeners a great deal is that the MP at the constituency level has no say. If the MP is more than less instructed by his or her constituents that they want something done, the MP doesn't have any power. The MP goes to you, basically hat in hand, and asks, and if you say yes, it gets done, and if you say no, it doesn't. And Mr. Mulrooney looked at me and he said, I'm tired of the bitchers and complainers. And I thought, what did you just say? I didn't need the rest of the interview, Daryl. That story went national, and there's a political cartoon of Mulrooney shoving a taxpayer dressed in rags headfirst into a toilet with his foot in the guy's bum, and the, head, the, the headline decided was, stop bitching. But that you cannot get away with. That's a long way of, way of saying things have changed. But the parties, they don't quite understand, or sometimes they don't understand, do they? No, they don't. And, and uh, that, um, well, the ones that don't, don't win. I mean, that's, that's ultimately uh, what happens. I mean, there, there, there is the revenge of the ballot box at some point. But, you know, the, the sad thing is Mulroney was actually revered um, as being somebody who was very in touch with his caucus. Um, and uh, I guess near the end of it, uh, you, saw, you saw what you saw. Yeah. I mean, he, wasn't, he wasn't too fond of me, I'll tell you that. 
And Justin Trudeau finds himself in a very similar situation yeah. right now. I mean, his negatives are about as high as I've ever seen for anybody. When you look at the leaders now, so Justin Trudeau's never been in the water so that he's in now. Pierre Polyev is trying to paddle to victory. Jagmeet Singh, I don't think Jack, Mr. Singh knows exactly where he is. Uh, he's trying to play both ends against the middle, and eventually that, I think, starts to bite. How do you assess them? Well, at the moment, I mean, Justin Trudeau is the prime minister. His approval levels are, have really not budged into positive territory for a very, very long time. Uh, the thing that basically did in his reputation was, uh, was SNC-Lavalin, and it's never gotten any better. So we, uh, you know, outside of that brief, you know, rallying to the flag that we saw uh, at the very start of COVID, his numbers have been pretty negative and remain pretty negative today. So um, particularly when you look at the number of people who positively, like very positively approve of him, it's a small number. Uh, but if you look at the number who very strongly disapprove of him, it's more than half. So that, that's his dilemma. Now, the interesting thing when you take a look at Pierre Polyev, his negatives are quite high, too. Uh, he has slightly more people who are favorable about him uh, than unfavorable, and, and certainly more people who are undecided than about Justin Trudeau. But his, Pierre Polyev's negatives are, are quite high as well. And then you, when you look at Jagmeet Singh, um, his, uh, the only leader that tends to be in positive territory out of all the leaders, and it's just that he hasn't had a strong enough presence, I think, with Canadians to really give them any reason to really not like him. So, and, 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 and even when you look at his positive numbers, it's only positive in comparison to the other two major party leaders. Yeah, I mean, I, when Mr. Singh was on the program last, uh, I told him he's a quite a likable guy. And there's a lot of, a lot of us would probably go and have a drink with him in a conversation, just feel having a, would be kind of cool to have a conversation with him. Not so sure I could have a, a drink uh, and a conversation with Trudeau or, or I don't know about Polyev. I've talked to him a few times now. So smart guy, um, but he has to warm up or get people to warm up to him. But you know, when I looked at Trudeau, uh, Daryl, and I looked at his numbers in his riding in Montreal, what's the name of that? What's the, what's what's the riding? I don't I don't remember. Yeah, uh, it was right on the tip Papineau. of my Papineau. That's right. It was on on the tip of my tongue. So the numbers, the the popular support that he had in Papineau in 2015 were significant. 2019, the numbers go down in his riding from 2015 support numbers. They go down again in 2021 from 2019. So here's a prime minister, sitting prime minister, losing support, popular support in his own riding. I don't remember the last time that happened. Yeah, no, and, and take it from his riding to the Canadian population. I mean, it's, it's basically the same. The high watermark for Justin Trudeau was 2016, 2017. Yeah. After that, it's been pretty difficult. He's lost the popular vote in the last two national elections, very nearly lost the last national election. I mean, uh, you know, people say that, uh, you know, that Aaron O'Toole underperformed. Aaron O'Toole was just a couple of points away in the 905 to actually winning the most seats in that election. Mm -hmm. People don't appreciate that, but he, he came very, very close. And now Polyev is the leader of the Conservative Party. Um, you know, not everybody's uh, cup of tea, but he's definitely competitive with the prime minister. And there's a real sense of, uh, of a need for change among Canadians. And for Polyev, that might be enough. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.